podcast is brought to you by Mark Gover, the author of a new book entitled An End to Upside Down Thinking, dispelling the myth that the brain produces consciousness and the implications for everyday life. Please listen to podcast number 697, where Mark and Greg have a very lively discussion about the evidence that upends the scientific and public belief that the material is the foremost reality and how that reversal explains our seeming wizard-like abilities. In End to Upside Down Thinking, marshals clear evidence and makes the case that consciousness is the force that precedes matter. Please join Mark Gober and Greg on podcast number 697 as they discuss this compelling evidence about where consciousness emanates from. If you want to learn more about Mark Gober and his new book entitled An End to Upside Down Thinking, please visit www markgober.com Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Charles is joining us from uh, Mexico down in Cabo San Lucas. And I always love Cabo and he has got a house there and another one in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he has a new book out called Now What? Question with a little phone underneath the question mark. The biography of a finally, and I should underline that, not just parenthesize it, successful startup. Good day to you, Charles. How are you? Greg, I am really good. I had one of a long management meeting this morning before this. And I am on West Coast time, so you know what that means. That means that you're you're revved up because it is West Coast time for both of us. So, I've had three cups of coffee. I'm ready to go. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you for taking this time from your home to speak with me. I'm going to let my listeners know something about you. Uh, Charles Morgan is the visionary former chairman and CEO of Axiom Corporation, was a world leader in data gathering and its accompanying technologies. For any of you who want to go uh, check it out, uh, go to www.acxiom.com. You can learn a little bit more. He grew that small Arkansas company from 25 people to 7,000 people. And as he says in the book, he was just tired of managing people and putting up with all the headaches. So at 65, after he got it to $1.5 in revenues, he decided to take a break. Well, this book isn't. This book is going to tell you he didn't take a break very long. A gadget geek from childhood, uh, Charles has raced motorcycles, flown jets, and built and driven race cars and professional racing career. He had a book prior to this called Matters of Life and Data. It was published by Morgan James in 2015. Uh, now the CEO of this latest tech company, which we're going to be speaking about, called First Orion. Uh, Charles Markin lives in Little Rock, Arkansas. And as we said, he's in Cabo San Lucas with his wife, Susie. Well, good morning to you. Good day to you. For all my listeners that are coming in from around the world. Um, really, you know, here you go. You could have easily retired. You could have stayed retired, Charles. Um, after building that company up, Axiom, and I do see the similarities between the two. And you've always been a geek gadget kind of guy. What right. possessed you to take a million dollars of your money initially and put it in this company called First Orion? Well, initially, Greg, my thought about that was that 
uh, it was an interesting idea. I saw it was new technology, something that I had never heard of before, but I also knew that there were even 10 years ago beginning to be a lot of unwanted uh, phone calls and we were starting to get them on our home phones quite often. So I said, well, it'd be nice if you could get rid of those unwanted phone calls. So guy brought me an idea, seemed like he knew what he was talking about, turned out he didn't really. <clears throat> but I was naive about the telecom industry. You know, once you're a successful business guy, you think you can, you know, it's a technical thing, you can figure it all out. But uh, I didn't figure it all out. I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. But, you know, long story short, after I, re I, re I did that actually before I retired. And uh, a, a little while into my retirement, uh, I realized that, this thing wasn't doing very well. And uh, by the way, can we digress a minute ago? I know you're into all this stuff, but you know what retirement is, Greg. Well, you know, Ken Blanchard says no one ever retires. He's a good friend of mine. Right. Actually, he had a book. Um, he says refire, not retire. Meaning he thinks you ought to fire back up after you're 65. <laughs> there you go. And uh, that, I think, is uh, there's a lot of truth in that. But people sometimes describe retirement as, hey, you get up every day and do all day what you love to do, and you don't have to do a damn thing. And that's what I do every day. I get up and do what I love to do, and that is, solve problems, work with people. And I am still a geek. I'm still writing a lot of our prototype software for our scam solutions that uh, are now deployed for 60 million T-Mobile customers are on our scam solution. So, so what uh, language are you writing that in? Most of what I do is build prototypes in Visual Basic. Okay. And, and then I, I've got a development team that focuses on just this area of about uh, 30 people. Our company now is 165 people, but our development team that does the scam solution that actually the hardcore uh, software in that area is about, uh, you know, 30 people or so. Well, you know, it is interesting, this app that you've developed and then uh, mobile PCS and Dallas kind of gave you your first break. Right. You said, and that's really what kind of kept the company going because it was sucking so much money. Um, right. The reality, though, is you're in 67 million people's cell phones. So I presume you've had that many downloads uh, of this application. Well, actually, it's very interesting. This does not require a download, even though our, if you download the application, uh, that all of the scam solution is actually being in, uh, deployed inside the T-Mobile network. We have about 50 servers inside T-Mobile's network. So it is a very uh, highly, we have a, a huge Amazon footprint uh, that manages our database, our, our what we call a knowledge base. The knowledge base is supplied to uh, the network software that uses a knowledge base to look at every call and detect whether it's a scam or not. And all T-Mobile customers get this. When you buy a T-Mobile phone, you get the service. And 
the, so the why fall, haven't you done why haven't you done licensing agreement with Verizon and AT&T or are they just too big for your britches no I I, uh, I I probably get in trouble for saying this but uh, we are one of our leadership meetings this morning we were talking about Verizon and Verizon uh, literally told some of our people that they don't really care about scam calls it's not their problem mm. uh, and they, uh, but T-Mobile does and we're we're really stopping uh, 95% of all the scam calls I really haven't gotten a scam call on my phone in two weeks so, so that means uh, if you go to T-Mobile, this is automatically included with the service. Yeah. So, you know, you might actually, by the time we're done with this interview, you may have converted people over to T-Mobile. <laughs> I, I have converted, I would say that I have converted personally hundreds. It said, if you are, if you'll tell me that if I have a T-Mobile phone and don't get scam calls, uh, I will. One guy told me that it come in from the East Coast and said that, when I get back, uh, and that is today, he said, when I get back to my home next Monday, he said, I will not walk but run to a T-Mobile store. I cannot stand these scam calls. And I said, well, I've got one in two weeks, so I think you're probably, uh, uh, and he said, by the way, my wife will be running right behind me. She's equally crazed by this. So uh, the go. other carriers, interestingly enough, it's, it's not cheap. I mean, you know, it costs uh, a lot of money for all the people and the hardware and everything that we are uh, using to supply this. But we have talked to both AT&T and Verizon fairly extensively. But, you know, they're just right now, they've got other priorities. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, and I think, the you know, the interesting thing about it, as you were saying in another in interview, Charles, is, you know, this particular software, actually, you know, if you applied for a credit card with, you used your near example, American Express, well, the reality is, is that it would, a lot of people apply and forget to put everything down. So they're trying to reach you back and people aren't picking yeah. up those phone calls. So they're not getting their credit cards and whatever. Nobody, nobody wants to answer the phone anymore. I mean, I've right. had people just say, if I don't know what the number is, I do not answer it. Right. And sometimes I listen to the voice message, but... Uh, yeah, you're right. American Express has a fraud warning or something that people won't answer the fraud warning. And they, they look at text. They don't know if the text is a scam. Uh, it, it has really created such a horrendous problem. Even legitimate need for telephone, immediate and, and, and genuine need for telephone communications has been killed by the scam scammers. Yeah, and so let's talk about that for a second because isn't the problem at the or the origin of the problem the scammers? I mean, the other day I pick up and I have a Verizon and and it says it's the Social Security office calling. Well, shit, the Social Security office never calls. The IRS <laughs> never calls. And right. the reality is, is that you know it's a scammer right away. And the and so where is that stuff? Where's the origins of all that stuff? And how it's all know? over. It's all over. There huh. are actually, uh, there are quite a few of the scammers uh, in, in the Southern California area. We see some uh, some origination, uh, originates we suspect coming out of Southern California. Uh, some of them comes from overseas. Uh, 
and uh, Are I, they cracking down on these guys and and busting them? You know, and, the problem is the problem uh, is they, they they have trouble figuring out who they are because uh, they're the phone uh, uh, system that we know it today was designed, particularly the new generations of technology, Greg, this is really interesting. Phone companies, and that is the old AT&Ts of old, uh, were very afraid as they got broken up into other phone companies that somebody would know where their particularly big corporate customers were, and they wanted to make it completely obscure as to where the phone call was coming from. Mm -hmm. So they obscured all of the calling indication of who the real source is. So these calls go from one place to another place to another place. And this great big ether that's a public switch telephone network, and it loses the identity of the source. I see. And I see. as a result of that, it was done very consciously very consciously so, you know, AT&T would get their big corporate customers stolen. And it was- Well, that's what you said in the book, that, that this is the biggest cobbling together of gobbledygooked in the universe you've ever that's seen. Right. That's um, right. And that does make it- Over a hundred years of gook. Is, the, is there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, this book is as much about your entrepreneur journey as it is anything, and especially First Orion. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show, yeah. and I'm sure they can learn a lot from you. They've already learned a lot about First Orion and your attempts there. Now, this company was going south. You put in more money. Um, you were having you know, management problems and so on. You stepped in. And, you know, you took the company back over as CEO and you're still CEO, right? Yep. yep. Okay. So. And don't you forget it. I'm the don't boss. Don't you forget it. Okay. What do you believe entrepreneurs today? Because, you know, you were part of this group in Little Rock, Arkansas, that included yep. Sam Walton. And um, I think you said they kicked out. Uh, Fred Smith, because he it wasn't big enough. He couldn't find the people. You couldn't even find the kind of people you needed to run Axiom when you were down there. That's right. um, so you hung out with some pretty interesting folks. Um, all of them were entrepreneurs. What are these entrepreneurs that are listening today need to succeed in what you're calling the fourth industrial revolution? Well, there's that's a that's really a big question. We've got two hours, right? I, no, no, hard. no. We know no, 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 you don't. Can, okay. you can tell me what you think it is. <laughs> well, the you know the fourth industrial revolution is uh, you know what a lot of things change, and in you know the, the you know if you look at the first, second, third, it was kind of a sea change uh, that. The, a lot of jobs changed. The, the, the whole economic system switched. You know, you know, originally from agrarian or agricultural to manufacturing, and and now we're in the process transitioning totally into the era of technology-based jobs and companies uh, and, and total ways of life as we see with, you know, my, my dad or my grandkids with their grandkids with their, all their devices of all kinds. I mean, it's, 
it's just a completely different world. Mm-hmm. And it's, it does offer the opportunity for people to come up with an idea that nobody's had before. And a lot of people have done that. You know, if you go to the Play Stores and, and Google, you know, scam solution, call blocking solutions, we were one of the very first ones that we did it with BlackBerry, and we were like the only one in the BlackBerry store that did that. Right. Now, I'll bet you if you Google that and, and look or Google it or, or go to the Play Store or something, you'll find hundreds of applications that, that do that. Mm-hmm. So being first in a new area and finding something that is a size of scale that you have the resources to attack. And it needs to be a fairly dare. I always tell people, don't try to boil the ocean. People have a really good idea. This guy brought me a, a concept not too long ago, but actually maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And it was, it was about how to enhance the doctor-patient relationship. And he, he just thought that any GP would use this. He had a doctor sponsor. And they were going to do all these incredible things with heart monitors, and the doctor could get online with his patient. Well, long story short, you know, he was going to try to serve every doctor in every possible area. And I asked him how he's going to distribute it, and, you know, he was very vague on that. I asked him how he's going to fund the marketing. Well, and we figured we'd get a good prototype or two. You know, well, he'd had some success with it, but he was trying to boil the ocean. It was a great idea, right. but he has come back with trying to serve just homopathic and really even narrow it beyond that. And I said to this young man, I said, you know what? I like what you're doing now that I would consider investing in that because you have a really, really, really good uh, uh, application, very useful. And if you if you completely tailor it for homopathic uh, uh, application, then I could see this could be very interesting because there really weren't any that just focused on that. So, so you're saying, so what I think what scope. you're saying is find, you, you've always said you're a futurist, right? You're a futurist and a technologist, right. you know. So that's a good combination. And I always found that every entrepreneur that I interview, I ask this question because I'm an entrepreneur myself and have been all of my life. And I just wrote a book called Hacking the Gap, A Journey from Intuition to Innovation Beyond. And I like to stick this question in because intuitively, most of your good ideas have come probably from intuition, especially if you're a futurist. what you said, number yep. one, narrowly focused. Don't be all over the board. Um, yep. Get it, get it narrow focused. Find something that the market there's a gap in. Um, so, in other words, find a need and fill it. Right. So we all know that one. Anything yep. else you want to tell these entrepreneurs that are listening? Absolutely. One of the most important things is don't get in over your head uh, financially and a lot of entrepreneurs have ruined their life and ended up not being an entrepreneur, but being a failed person. Uh, you know, I, I use the example of Fred Smith. Fred Smith literally was on the precipice of, of taking himself and his whole family down. 
And Fred might even ended up in jail because he had actually absconded with a lot of his mother and his sister's money. I think we uh, ought to tell the audience that Fred Smith was the founder of FedEx. Some people don't know that, but he also had a military background. That's right. And uh, he was a disciplined guy, absolutely brilliant guy, uh, went to an Eastern school. And, and by the way, he wrote a thesis on a master's thesis, I think, on FedEx. And I think he got an F on it because he said it's such a far-fetched idea that they <laughs> gave an F on a thesis. That's another story. Yeah. But, you know, when I, I actually talked to Fred at, you know, the very low point of his, his life, and, uh, and I became fascinated. He seemed like a very, he was at a big event, a political event, actually, in Arkansas, because he's actually from Arkansas, a big political event in, in Little Rock area, and I was there, and I was not a political guy. I was back very early in my career, early in his career, and he was telling me about, you know, all these difficulties, and he's thought he had a great idea and he was making, he already had it started, but, uh, you know, he was struggling mightily and he risked his, his whole life. And I, I don't really advise that because for every Fred Smith, there are about a hundred others that risk everything and lose everything. So, so do it within your means financially. Do it within your means and within your family's means. Don't, right. don't ruin, you know, it, it's equally bad. Get every one of your friends to invest in it and take all your money and all your friends' money. That's you know, I've had a couple of those, Charles, myself. I, I started a software company, and I know what it's like. And it's hard to rebound. You really have to be very persistent to rebound from one of those because it is your reputation on top of it. So the advice you have Correct. is very well taken. Um, you know, do it within your means. Focus on something. Find something where there's a need and fill it. Um, you know, those are all great advice. Now you have top business rules and you, I'd like for you to tell some of those rules, but you've also broken some of those rules. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, 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 you know, there are, you know, I mean, what, one of the things we were just talking about, obviously is not, you know, getting in, uh, over you your know, head. Over yeah. uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, my business, uh, uh, rules and focus is around, you know, you've got to get, uh, a, you know, a good group of people together. You know, any, any business is all about the people in the business. Right. It is, it is the people and, you know, the, the ability to get other people to participate with you in entrepreneurial is also a good way to judge the quality of your idea. If you can get other people equally excited about it, that gives you a better chance of, of being convinced that it is, in fact, as good an idea as you think. So, you know, getting mm -hmm. other people involved and treating those people well. So many, and I'm, you know, uh, uh, a lot of these are my rules and my sub rules, but, you know, it, 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 anytime you do something, be generous with those who are participating with you. Don't try to keep it all for, for yourself. Uh, and somebody, you know, uh, talking to me about getting involved in, in, a, in a business that had, you know, run completely out of money and was, you know, you know, not doing all that well. And, you know, they wanted me, they wanted to come up with a valuation of that failed business of, you know, of $2 million or something. And they didn't have, you know, they were going broke unless, 
hire somebody else to put money in, but they want still want to keep 80% of the stock. They want you to just kind of give money and keep going, and they'd still keep majority of ownership. So you gotta you gotta be rational and fair about valuation. Uh, you've got to treat you know got to treat your people right, and <clears throat> you know there there are a lot of uh, business ideas and rules around. You know you got to be sure that you've got a you know a quality product uh, you know as well as quality people, and that you provide a good a good service to whatever you're doing. Uh, a great well, idea. You know, Charles, they have to have a good leader like you. When you put the dots it's together, it's a right? lot about leadership. That's really yeah. what I'm talking about is leadership. Yeah. It's, well, you it's, know, look, you're, you exemplify, you know, I watched your interviews. I've been to the website. You exemplify integrity, quality, compassion, all of those things that sometimes, you know, look, you got to drop the ego. I think Steve Jobs said this. Everybody he sounds good looking. He sounds good looking too. I yeah, he, I yeah, you're good looking. You are good looking. For 75 years old, you're good looking, right? So I said uh, I said this before. You know, there. I've interviewed a lot of people, a lot of people who knew Steve Jobs. I never got the opportunity to interview him. But they said that, you know, some people said, oh, he's such a prick to work with. But the reality is when he went into those meetings with his programmers, he said, yeah. if you didn't let go of your ego, all right, and right. allow the team to work together, you know, and this is yeah. a big one. I thought it was a big one that you're never going to get anything done. Right? right. And, and so you came back in this company, you put more money in the company. I presume the company's in the black now, right? We have been in the black and uh, we, we are, I'll, I'll be willing to tell you what we're doing right now. Our little, our little company is doing uh, an annual, we're a run rate this month of 38 million a year, and we will certainly make $5 million this year. So we're solidly in the black. So you uh, paid yourself back. Well, no, no. You know, no, but I mean, you in the stock, the value of the stock. If you well, the value that. of the stock, I mean, the company is, is, is worth certainly more than $200 million. Right, right, now, right, so. right. 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 So, uh, you know, yeah, I have, but it's, you know, I always say if you, ch you just chase money, and that's actually one of my rules, don't just chase money, chase accomplishment and success, not just for yourself, but for your other investors uh, and for those that work in the company. So, you know, the uh, idea of doing it for the money, uh, as you said, I don't need it. I don't need the money. I'm fine if I, you know, I didn't have first Ryan, I'd be fine. But uh, I, I think it's really important to, uh, you know, do business and be in business for the right reasons. That is to achieve success for your people. I, I say right now, the main thing I did, I actually said this uh, this morning, we were talking uh, to my whole team of 150 people, and I said, guys, you know, if we could get our valuation up to lift, everybody in the company would be a multimillionaire because mm -hmm. I've given everybody stock. They've all got stock. Yeah, so. well, and I think that what you're talking about here, and we talked about this a little bit before we came on the air, was that you personally have moved from success to significance. This this is not so much about success. This is a gentleman, and I'm speaking to my listeners now, about Charles who's gotten his ego out of the way. That was a long time ago. 
Um, he's allowing good people to run the company successfully with his guidance and his mentorship. And in essence, it's your wisdom and your mentorship, which is helping these people make good, solid decisions. Would that be true? Uh, yeah, I think that is true. I would, I could say I'm in Cabo this week and interesting. I said to the, you know, my leadership team, I had a leadership meeting after I did, I said, guys, uh, call me if you need me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I've got a call or two this week, but I I could leave for a month and just say, hey, I'm not coming back for three weeks. And you know, with very little instruction about who would be handling what, I wouldn't worry. I would really not worry at all. The company is, we have just absolutely incredible and outstanding leadership. Well, that's, you know, and I'm certain too, the other thing is about, you know, your life. When you guys moved to Texas and you were in the plane and you were looking back and got pretty sentimental all the time you spent in Little Rock. Now Susie gets to spend time in Little Rock and in Mexico and you, and you don't have to stay. I don't know. Do you still have the place in Texas because of the taxes? No, we don't. We don't. There you go. But you know, the good news is uh, Greg, I've, I've been successful enough that I can have an airplane so I can go wherever the hell I want. Yeah, when you want, when you want. So look, this telecom industry and First Orion is all about blocking scammers and giving people the opportunity to pick up their phone or not pick up their phone based on the notification that they get on this technology. But that's not even our exciting product. That's not even our exciting product. Well, I heard you have a new product and it's supposed to be coming out this month. Is that right? Well, we are testing it right now and uh, it's uh, pretty amazing. It's when the phone rings, uh, it, it will tell you who is calling and in the, 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 the application-based version of it. You do have to have an app for this or an SDK. It will take over the whole screen and give you a complete communication about who's calling and why they're calling and actually give you an inter- a chance even to either answer the call or interact with even a web app, web-based application, say, hey, confirm your doctor's appointment or, you know, uh, this is American Express calling about a fraud warning, and it'll have a picture of an Amex card on the, on the screen as the call comes in. Uh, the the, the uh, version that we now have 60 million T-Mobile customers enabled for uses the 15-character caller ID to say Amex fraud are, you know, uh, Globe Life, which is Globe Life, and the results that we're getting uh, from, you know, answer rates and actual conversion rates. You mentioned earlier that people don't completely fill out an application. They think they filled it out, but they haven't. And the uh, uplift using just the 15 characters is 78% of, of the people uh, more 78% more people that can get to fill out the rest of their application, which is an unheard of thing in any kind of direct or client-centric application like that. So uh, we have, we're working on closing two contracts immediately. And this was really, as you said, we were really in, in the prototype and, and proof of concept, but we do have a production system ready to go. 
So uh, it sounds like a much it sounds like a much needed application. Now, I just uh, question. I, I presume, and I'm making an assumption that you have some artificial intelligence built into that that's picking up all that code and being able to tell people correct. So it's yeah, uh, it, it would do that. We work directly with the calling company. Uh, Amex is actually driving the system. Our Globe Life is driving the system. I see. Our, the other client clients we have so that they are the ones that decide exactly what they want to do. And this is spoof proof is scam proof. So it is, if it says it's Amex, it's Amex because it's a fully encoded encrypted message that goes between Amex and the, and the phone device. And the other ones are actually done in the carrier network. So we know we put the name in there. So at the direction of the calling company. So, so if people wanted to get the application from the Android store, I, I presume iOS as well. And let's say some of our listeners are out there saying, yeah, I want that first Orion. You, you know, can get the privacy star application or as I tell everybody, just subscribe to T-Mobile and you know, your, your worries are over. Yeah, and and I guess my question is, if they don't want to do that, they can get Privacy Star through their application. That key, and there's Privacy Star application. The problem is, it's not network generated. We cannot do much with spoofing at, at, I see. at an app level. Okay, so, so they really have to change carriers yeah. over to T-Mobile, and T-Mobile right. is going to buy out Sprint, so it's going to be, or at least. It's proposed. I, has it been approved by the Federal Trade Commission? Well, I, all I know is this thing's been going on forever, and uh, the whole executive team at T-Mobile practically has been in Washington, D.C. for much of the last three or four months. And they all left last Thursday and said, we hope we're not coming back anytime soon. So I don't know what that means. They didn't say that. <laughs> Deal was on or deal was off. So yeah, now uh, T-Mobile, they're they're out of Kansas City, aren't they? Uh, Sprint is out of Kansas City. T-Mobile is actually out of uh, Seattle, Washington. Seattle. We have an office. Okay. We have an office in Seattle. With, you know, probably heading towards twenty-five people, and uh, we are fortunately close to Kansas City, uh, so we can hop up there uh, very quickly. It's really easy to get to Kansas City. So. Uh, well, so Where? now if you were if you were going to inform <clears throat> our listeners today about you know look your seventy five years on this planet and the lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur, what would be the the one or two things you would tell any entrepreneur or inform them about that might help them along their path of not making so many mistakes? Well, first and foremost, follow your passion. If you're not passionate about something, you can't get really, really excited about it. Uh, you, you know, again, back to the harping on what I said earlier, don't do it for the money. Do something you're excited about, but also do something you know something about. Don't, you know, uh, don't completely try to change and do something that sounds real cool, but you know nothing about the industry or the technology or the distribution of the product or anything. Do something you know something about, do something you're passionate about, and do something that all of your 
you know, personal and family and other research says is rational and reasonable. And last but not least, do something that you can afford to at least fund a prototype for without, uh, you know, busting, breaking the bank. So those would be some of the top rules, Greg. Those and those, I will tell you, coming from someone who's been there myself, my book talks about my own journey across this uh, transium. Uh, it's very, very, very sound advice. Listen to Charles. Uh, take uh, the advice that he gives in the book. We're going to put a link, Charles, to your book up there, as well as a link to um, First Orion. We'll put a link to Axiom as well, just for those who want to check it out. Um, we have been on with author Charles Morgan, and the book is called Now What? Uh, the Biography of a Finally Successful Startup Company. Um, I can thoroughly recommend you getting this book, um, taking out of it what you need to take out of it. It's really a story. I mean, when you read through it, it's kind of about Charles' story and the investment in this company, uh, the, the transfer the over. The, the ups and the downs and the good days and bads. So. Right. And if you look at it, we all have ups and downs. It's really about what I've found, Charles, is what do we learn from somebody else's um, either faux pas, because nothing's ever a mistake. I don't look at anything as a failure. Even if you failed, you didn't fail. You got one other way. You found out not to do something, right? Yeah. Um, so take it as that. Um, do go to these websites. Um, look at uh, up Charles's book on Amazon, which we'll have a link for that. Um, and Charles, it's been an honor having you on the show and a pleasure. You're, you're really quite a very personable person. I can see why right. you went as far as you did because the people that work around you, they must have a lot of fun. And there's one thing I'd add is if you're going to go into something, have fun doing it. Our culture is part, part one of the precepts of our culture is if you can't have any fun, you know, quit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because life is way too short <laughs> not short. to have some fun at it. So right. thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Greg. It was a great pleasure. I enjoyed chatting with you. This podcast is brought to you by Doug Neal, the founder of Verbal to Visual, an online learning platform that will help you to develop your visual thinking skills. Please listen to podcast number 699 where Doug and Greg speak about the power of visual note-taking, also known as sketch noting. This visual technique will help you to take better notes at conferences and workshops, share your ideas more efficiently and effectively, and make meetings more engaging as you create a visual recording that can be shared with the entire team. We hope you enjoy podcast number 699 with Doug Neal. If you want to learn more about Verbal to Visual and to watch some of Doug's engaging videos, please visit www.verbaltovisual.com Thank you for listening.